0: And people laugh at this, but even for me, the Trump rally was where my faith in humanity was renewed. How so? Because I realized there are very few bigoted people in the world.
1: This episode is sponsored by Headquarters, where Laurel Media offices and produces this podcast. In our humble opinion, Headquarters is the best co-working office space in Houston. It's creative, affordable, and just plain fun to work here. Headquarters, located just east of downtown Houston. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone walked up to you on the street and offered you a free trip to Egypt? Would you accept well, our guest today did just that. He walked up to people on the street and offered them a free trip to Egypt and at least 7 of them said yes. I'm so excited to welcome to Our Voices Matter Tariq Munib and you are a filmmaker who has done a remarkable film because you're trying to focus on human connection. Yes, Yes. Talk. welcome.
0: <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank it's you. It's a
1: pleasure to have you here. So I've not yet seen the film. I'm going to see it this evening, and I cannot wait. Um, but start by telling our audience what possessed you to do this.
0: Well, it was towards the end of 2016, and uh, I was seeing um, a lot of the, the fear and polarity and demonization that was happening in the world and and looking at it with a lot of horror like everyone else and um I'm I was born in Canada but I'm living in Switzerland uh, and my parents are Egyptian so I was watch I still watch a lot of American news and I started realizing that I was actually developing a fear of Americans and that was very bizarre for me as a Canadian to feel because, uh, you know, I grew up on American television. Uh, I feel at home in America. So, so then I, I, I start feeling concerned about the world, where it's headed, uh, you know, the conflicts. Um, and I feel myself tense up. I feel myself becoming afraid of, of the world and where it's headed. And then I realize, do I really want to live like that? There must be another way. Um, And then that's when the inspiration came to me, why don't I go to the very people that I think fear me um, and go towards them in kindness instead of fear? And then that's when the idea came, why don't I look for Americans that are concerned about the Middle East or Arabs or Muslims and offer them a free trip to Egypt and let's see what happens.
1: Were you a filmmaker before you decided to do this? What were you doing?
0: Oh no, no no, I have uh, no film experience. This was just an inspiration, an inspiration that I just had to follow.
1: As a human being just wanting to figure out how to how to connect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and it was an experiment. I wanted to go on this journey. What would happen to me? What would happen to the people I found fi- I find? What, what would it be like? Would would human connection outweigh the difference? Would fear reign? I I didn't know. These were questions I wanted answers to
1: so going back to um, you said right after 2016 and you started to be afraid um, of certain Americans because of what where was that fear coming from and what what were you thinking what were you seeing that made you feel differently
0: well I found first of all be- um, as someone uh, of Egyptian background and Muslim, I felt I'm one of the minority groups that were being targeted or being looked at from a place of fear, mm-hmm. right? And I saw just not only us, but the other minorities, whether it's Hispanics or, or African Americans, etc. I I sensed there was a much more uh, vitriol and demonization and hate on both sides. So it's always the case when one group fears another group, the the other group ends up fearing that group and it, and it just polarizes. So it was almost I felt like a child with two parents because, you know, I am um, from North America. I love the community. I've, I've grown up in, in Canada and in Europe. Um, and I also love the Muslim community and the Arabs and Egyptians. And I've spent my summers in Egypt. Right so it's almost like a child with two divorced parents is like, "Why can't they get along and I felt this this inner conflict in me wanting to hey, you know you're just not hearing each other, you know
1: so okay, so you got this idea, then how did you decide to execute it and and how did you pay for it are you are you a wealthy person or how did how how were you able to make this happen
0: so so basically um I founded my own company in 2003, and then I've established other companies since then. So I think I have some, my companies were able to fund it. okay. And at the same time, um, because I I enjoy building up companies in different areas, I have the skill set. To, to lead projects. What kinds of companies? Um, so there's uh, one software company that does offshoring to Egypt. There's a local Swiss software company where we provide Swiss contractors. I started um, a, a complementary health center that also offers yoga. And different aspects. So I'm, I've been able to start things in different areas and bring people together mm-hmm. and, and implement. So that's why I thought, okay, film is completely new to me, mm-hmm. but the skill set of, of finding good, talented people, bringing them together, working together, I think I have that. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, let me give it a try.
1: So you put together a film crew. Yeah. And then you hit the streets? <laughs>
0: Almost, almost, almost. almost. So the idea came um, towards the end of 2016. January 2017 is when I decided I'm going to do this, right? And then I set forth. Um, And then the first, we started first um, on the internet. So it was through social media. We announced the idea, our web presence, et cetera. And that was scary. Because I think we all know this, but um, we have the social media personalities, right? We're very different people. Mm-hmm. And all we got from social media, like 90% or 95%, was just hate. And this was surprising to me because I was just offering a free trip to Egypt. I, so
1: what were people saying? The haters?
0: Um, why would I go to such a savage land? Are you crazy? Do you think I want to be beheaded? Uh, I hope Trump kills every last one of them after they said that they, they, they have bad intentions towards America and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Or this is a scam. Uh, is this way a way you're going to get hostages? uh yeah. yeah. So you okay. can imagine that, right? So, so that was scary because then I thought, oh, okay, my fear is justified. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we've, we've hit the tipping point, the point of no return where mm-hmm. there's only conflict in front of us. And then I said, okay, let's, let's go to the United States. Let's speak to people one-on-one. And then that's when I traveled to the United States.
1: Where did you go first? Take me um, to that first person that you walked up to.
0: I think the first place was Manhattan. Okay. So that was a nice place to start off yeah. with, because Manhattan it's so diverse. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we got a lot of support and people saying, "Great project, great idea, stuff, stuff of that sort." So, so that was that was a little bit easier. Um, and then I don't remember the sequence exactly. So, so we we started in New York, and then we went to the Southern states. Um, so to to and, and smaller cities like like Vidalia Georgia Chattanooga Tennessee um, d- different places we went to Pennsylvania um, Arizona so so we went to, mm-hmm. to different places um, and including we went to Louisville Kentucky where a Trump rally was happening um, and we spoke to people and this was the turning point for me right because and this. And people laugh at this, but even for me, the Trump rally w- was where my faith in humanity was renewed. How so? Because I realized there are very few bigoted people in the world. And most they, they were there, I met them, and there's no access to the bigoted people, right? And you can't have a conversation, right? And they exist, and, and we need to take hard measures against those people. But the vast majority of people are not. Right, They are not, right and um, and this is what I discovered. And even some of the people who might say bigoted things, I didn't feel were bigoted. I felt they were actually kind-hearted and just people who were concerned about their families, right? And there was access to those people. So it's really important first, not just to 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 set up a wall in your ears as soon as you hear a statement that that scares you, but to actually listen.
1: So take us into that rally and, and share a conversation or whatever it is that happened that brought you to this, this place.
0: Well, there was, there was one thing, and she's actually in the, in the trailer, um, this woman who, who, who refused to, to think about going to Egypt. I didn't feel she was bigoted. I've, I felt she was really a very kind-hearted person, but just through the information she was receiving, really was afraid of this area, right? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, even though I felt there was a, a connection to get her to, to consider going, that didn't happen. Other people were just horrible, right? There were people saying, you know, we have to kill all the Muslims and, and stuff of that sort. and. This is just unacceptable, right? And and these people is you know you you don't want to spend any any time with them because anybody to think uh, even in jest you should murder a, a people is, is just it's just it's just disgusting, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't waste my time with with those people, and then but talking to other people like we met we met a, a marine from from the Trump rally um, who supported the wall, who supported the Muslim ban, um, said Trump was doing things the right way there was access to him through conversation. And it was simply because I was listening to him. I offered him my views and then I offered him a free trip and he accepted. Right. So this is, this is the point is that it's, it's not to deny that there's bigoted people there, but it's also to truly listen to, uh, to know who you're actually speaking with and whether there's access. And with Brian, the the Mm -hmm. veteran at the Trump rally, um, the journey that unfolded in Egypt was just amazing. And it wasn't him just learning and meeting Egyptians. It was about the Egyptians and me learning about him, realizing how we have our preconceptions of a Marine that we found at a Trump rally. And he blew those preconceptions out of the water.
1: I was just going to ask you, what what was it that you said or did, other than listening, which is key... What is it that you said or did that got him to a place where he felt that he didn't have to fear you as a Muslim man and that he would actually take that that journey with you to Egypt?
0: I think fear only comes when we don't see each other, when we don't listen to each other. Mm -hmm. As soon as we're able to to, um, see or hear... And listen, fear vanishes. So listening is a very active action that allows people to trust. And I think that was the key, is that I didn't judge him for his views. I didn't judge that he was racist for these views. I didn't agree with his views, but I I just listened to what he said. I offered what I believed. And we both felt there was a connection and we didn't have to agree and that made him trust me. I could trust him and we could find something new. And that's really the the, the key takeaway for me of this whole film. And the key takeaway that, that if we, with this, and Brian wasn't the only one, there's such a diverse group we took to Egypt. If we could get along and connect with such a diverse group, why not the rest of the world? And that's why we're on this mission now.
1: Wow. I... So, give us a sense of what happened um, when you actually got to Egypt with this group. Now, it's my understanding that there were seven people that you went with, and two of them were together. They were exactly a couple, okay. So, um, what what had you planned? How did this unfold so that you could provide them a rich enough experience for it to really resonate?
0: So for me this was like a
1: childlike experiment
0: right it was really just a curiosity mm-hmm. so and i think that made people feel a little bit more relaxed that i didn't have an agenda of wanting to convert them to some sort of religion or political views or or, or tolerance etc so so for me it was like we had this woman who said ever since september 11th she just feels so racist uh, and it, she was just the kindest woman, also telling, uh, supporting the wall and stuff like that. But she, she, she was so self-aware. She didn't like what she was becoming. And she said ever since September 11th, she has a visceral reaction to Muslim men. She just fears them. So we paired her and her husband up with a young Egyptian Muslim revolutionary man, right? Mm-hmm. So you, that was really
1: just, oh, what's going to happen there? So paired them up meaning they spent most of their time together exactly. in Egypt.
0: Right. Okay. Doing things with this Doing man, yeah. learning about his life. He showed them his life in Egypt. He took them around and and it was just amazing to see how they connected or didn't. And right, that was really and remarkable. Who did
1: you pair the marine with?
0: Um the marine, we paired him up with a beautiful Egyptian dancer. Ah. <laughs> so that was <laughs> That was also, and you have to see and, the
1: and, film to find out what yeah, happens. right. right. And <laughs> and
0: she she was she was also she she drives a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Really? A young Egyptian woman. Oh my she, gosh. So it was a really interesting pairing. One of my other f- favorite pairings was we we uh, there was a Christian young Christian preacher. Um, in, in his early 30s who wanted to spread the love of Jesus into the Middle East and baptize Muslims. And he brought from his congregation a former Miss Kentucky so, who also wanted to spread Jesus' love. So they were really a lovely couple but very zealous. So we paired them up with a very orthodox Muslim family. The man with the long beard, the woman covering her face um, just to see what's what going to happen. Exactly. So that was fun. And with this childlike curiosity to just see what, what would unfold. And, and it was it was brilliant. The cameras were always on, so people forgot the cameras were on. And then we just, we, we followed the story.
1: How long were you there?
0: Just 10 days. Just 10 days. And when you see the film tonight, I think you'll be as astounded as I was at the degree of depth of of connection and friction and and it's it's almost like uh, you know years of a, of of lifetime occurred in those 10 days
1: what would you say was the most profound takeaway from your perspective as a filmmaker now and as a muslim man i think
0: for me the film has really renewed my faith in humanity this whole adventure and the magic um, that of, of that discovery that we managed to capture it on film w- was deeply moving. Right? And I think that is the power of the film and and um, that's my takeaway. And it's been really beautiful. Uh, I've been, you know, we've got tens of thousands of people have seen it in North America now. And I've gotten so much feedback of, of people being moved and people walking out of the theater and saying they, you know, they, there was this Jewish couple that, that approached this Muslim couple and they realized they're in the same neighborhood and they talked. And we get hundreds of stories like that of, of people just coming together. and And that's really what inspires me.
1: The people who took part in the film and went on the journey with you, what kind of um, metamorphosis, if there was one or two or three, did did you witness mm. with them?
0: Well, all of them had remarkable stories, right? So, so um,
1: without giving too much yeah, away, yeah, exactly. So for those it's it's who really yet seen it.
0: It's really hard. It's, yeah. it's it's really hard. But there's there's um, one of the stories. Um, one the, the son of one of the participants um, talks about how his father uh, was xenophobic, uh, afraid of the world. And ever since he came back from the trip, he completely changed. Uh, he was happy with life, trusting of people, open. And he heard his dad say things that he never thought his dad would say and to see that to hear that was it was really just magical
1: this just gives me so much hope to hear this because i i it's we were talking before we we started um the actual interview and i was sharing with you that when you started this journey right after 2016 election i started this journey with the podcast right feeling exactly as you did that I, I couldn't stand witnessing the division that was happening and feeling feeling powerless and then deciding, okay, I've got the power to do something. I don't know what it is, but I got to figure it out because I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. Right. Because I I love this country too much. I love people too much. And there's got to be something that I as an individual can do. Mm-hmm. And through sharing... Stories, having conversations like the one we're having right now. Mm. um, I hope and believe that there is someone out there listening, watching who will hear what you're having to say and, and say, okay, I need to stop and rethink my biases Mm. and my preconceived ideas about who people are and what they're about and, and just taking the time to listen. I love that that hashtag, um, it's pledge to listen. And so I don't know if you're aware that our hashtags for the show are permission to speak, courage to listen. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I just think this is so remarkable. Um, what has happened, when, when did this journey actually take place?
0: 2017.
1: 17, okay. So what has happened with The the people who you who went to Egypt with you, how has how have their stories progressed since then? And how have they as individuals been able to move this dialogue forward?
0: Well, each of them—I mean, we're all still in contact. I would think so. And and each of them has has their their different ways of continuing the the, the journey, right? So I mentioned um, the 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 son talking about his father and the the, the openness. Um, the the Christian preacher—he um, didn't lose his zeal. He still wants to spread Jesus' love, but. So a lot of people tell me, oh, he didn't change. You know, he's the same from the beginning to the end. And I said, you guys know, really, he did, right? He calls me almost weekly with his big heart and, and telling me how much his life has been changed and how he's learned to love Muslims. And he goes, you know, I just want to love on Muslims now and share the gospel. But so, so we didn't change his zeal, and that we weren't. It's not about that. And you weren't trying to do. We that. We weren't trying to do that, right? Yeah. So, and he is telling me, yeah. And the other day, you know, I took the Christians from the church to visit the local mosque, etc. So. So he never would have done that before the trip. No, exactly. Right. So he said he's been before. He would never approach Muslims, and now he just wants to love on them. And 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 so it's 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 really beautiful. And you've got Brian, the the, the Marine from the Trump rally. He's uh, really um, genuinely appreciative of of this blessing in his life. Of, of He feels so grateful to have had this kindness given to him, and he's um, wanting to to start. I think he started like a YouTube channel about kindness and giving back to society, et cetera. So so each of them is doing something in their own way and it's really beautiful to to see.
1: You wrote um, on your website, the film for me is not about making any group look good or bad. It is about seeing what magic can occur between people when we connect at a human level. Yes. I love that.
0: Thank you. I love that. Yeah. And I
1: think that because you went into it, as you said, without an agenda, yeah, just genuinely wanting to find a way for people to connect and then just see what happens. Yes. And just see what happens. So what's next for the film and what's next for you?
0: Well... I, I, I feel the film is just beginning, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, we had on June 12th was the Pledge to Listen Day of Unity and where the film was shown in 500 theatres across the United States followed by a panel discussion. And it was really beautiful to see the film's impact, not just on, on, on you know, the general population, but also on thought leaders and politicians, right? So after uh, we watched the film together, I was in Washington, D.C., and we had an amazing group of, of people, diverse people coming together to watch the film and then discuss how to bring more kindness and listening to the world. And that panel consisted of uh, President Trump's former wife, Marla Maples, Um, a former assistant uh, uh, secretary of state under President Obama, uh, an advisor to President Trump, uh, Rabbi Rami Shapiro, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, the presidential democratic candidate, uh, the Oscar winning director, Peter Farrelly. So all these people coming together to talk about how to bring more listening and kindness to the world. So it just inspired me and, and that yes there is hope we can come together and this is just the beginning
1: are you going to continue filmmaking are you going to do something else along these lines
0: well my goal and the, the my passion is the project and the film was the tool for this project so so for me the conversation Is what I'm all about Mm -hmm. is bringing people together, um, sharing this magic with as many people as possible. Now, if another film would serve that purpose, Mm -hmm.
1: then you would do it. Then I'd do it. So I guess then the question is how do you plan to continue this conversation? as part of an overall project? So we're,
0: we're reaching out. So we on, on June 12th, we reached out already to a lot of national organizations, the Charter of Compassion, millions of conversations, the the Listen First project, et cetera. There's many of them. Mm-hmm. And also in Houston, we're, we're working with organizations. And the idea is that the film is a great conversation starter, mm-hmm. but we want the conversation to continue so we don't have a grassroots organization but we want to to bring it to community screenings right so there's there's a a group the other day saying you know they're the jewish muslim dialogue group they want to screen it in a synagogue or a mosque together and then continue the conversation so my plan is to to you know spread it to as many community screenings as possible Work with local organizations, so then we can actually people have uh, tangible things they can do afterwards. Right. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, people can still request their own screenings uh, through the website. They can organize community screenings or just request that a theater plays it.
1: So for people who are are watching or listening uh, and have not had a chance to see the film. Basically, the only way they can is if there is a screening somewhere in their neighborhood or in their community. And if not, they can request one. Exactly. They can request to host one. Exactly. Through through your website. Exactly. Which is? (laughs) freetriptoegypt.com. freetriptoegypt.com. Okay. Exactly. I love that. I love that. So this month... We're toward the end of September now. Has been Pledge to Listen month, right? Yes. So what what kinds of activities have you had related to that? E-
0: exactly that. So we started with the community screenings. Okay. And okay. and we've been just doing what 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 I said mm-hmm. before. But mm-hmm. it's first June was pe- Pledge to Listen Day, and then people wanted more. So, so I don't know. Maybe let's let's continue the year. I, I think yeah. I think it's just beginning. Yeah, is what I'm realizing.
1: So is this your 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 new passion, your new calling? Do you think are you are you are you still running your businesses, or is this taking up all of your time? Uh,
0: no, I'm still running my businesses, but this is taking up the bulk of my time, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think, um, I've it's interesting because the success of the film theatrically, so it's had like I was saying, tens of thousands of people, um, and we're a small independent film company, so because it's successful it's put a new um, pressure on me because it's made me realize there's actually millions of people out there that would really enjoy and benefit from the film so I'm struggling with this problem or this responsibility how can I get it out there to the millions of people who would really enjoy and want to connect this Mm -hmm. way
1: have you entered the film in any contests or festivals or anything?
0: Um, there's a few festivals that have mm-hmm. picked it up along mm-hmm. along the way. Mm-hmm. We can't go to the bigger festivals now because we've premiered already. Right. Um, but maybe it w- we'll we'll do an Oscar run or something like that. I don't know, but wow. we'll, we'll see.
1: Well, I think you're such a beautiful example of how one person can make such a huge difference just by virtue of deciding that you're going to. Mm-hmm. you know and just looking at at uh, an issue or a, a problem and saying okay i i've got to figure out how to how to do something about this and this is my idea and even though you had haters in the beginning and i bet that must have been very difficult mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what that was like to just see all that vitriol coming at you online and not wanting to just fold up your tent and say okay maybe not
0: It's it was actually yeah it was difficult but it's actually I'm grateful for it now because the more of it you get, (laughs) the the less it impacts you, and it's the same with compliments. And I think in the end, you you tend to realize usually whether it's praise or insults, it has more to do with um, the person saying it than you, right? And then you. You really then feel the real comments that come that are meaningful, right? So so I'm actually um because I still get like on the trailer, there's still a lot of hateful comments that come and and now um, it doesn't it doesn't bother me so much.
1: Do you respond to to any any comments like that?
0: Um I sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sometimes don't because I've kind of learned sometimes you see there's an opening and there's a dialogue and sometimes there's absolutely no opening that's just yeah. it's just hateful it's
1: like you said when you you know you can walk into a, a room whether it's a rally or whatever and you you know who's open and who's not
0: right right y- yeah you can usually you can tell kind of, by the usually the, kind of, the comment yeah
1: right if there were one thing that you'd like to leave our audience with today what would that be hope there is hope yes and go see the film. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: I hope you do. <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you so much. It has been such Great. a pleasure yes. meeting you and talking with you. And and I hope we get to do some work together at some point. That would be fantastic.
0: Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being
1: here. Well, thank all of you for watching and listening and for giving our guest permission to speak and for having the courage to listen. And we'll see you next time. I'm a firm believer that if we can find a way to better understand each other's experiences, we can find a way to accept and respect each other for who we are, even when we don't agree. That's the ultimate goal of this podcast. So with that in mind, what do you want the world to know about your story? How might your story, your truth, provide an important perspective to help bridge our divides? If you'd like to share your story with us for a chance to be featured on the podcast, All you have to do is go to our website, ourvoicesmatterpodcast.com, and click on What's Your Story. We can't wait to hear from you, because your voice matters.